It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Sports Talk 790 Astroline. Astroline. The official off-season show of Astros baseball. This is where we talk about your Astros. Join the show. Post your questions and comments on social media. Just be sure to hashtag Astroline. That ball is Pluckers Wing Bar on Shepherd. Sports Talk 790 Astroline starts now. Greetings from Pluckers Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd near downtown Houston for another edition of Astroline presented by Carbach Brewing Company. I'm Robert Ford, pleased to be joined this week by Brownie, Bill Brown. Always good to see you, Brownie. Robert, hey, you've had a nice little vacation. I have. You look Refreshed. Not as good as your vacation, though. No, but you look refreshed. But you went to England. I did. It's a biggie. Yes, and that's England across the pond, not, <laughs> that not England, Texas, or no, something like no, that. Well, yeah, it's a great trip for you. It was a great trip, and you know, Brownie, this is the first time I've seen you in a while without your camera bag. <laughs> so it's a, it's a bit, it's a bit disconcerting because you've you've really gotten into the photography. Well, yeah, it's it's uh, you know a wonderful opportunity with the weather around here to get outside. And, oh yeah, and you're hey, you're a Houstonian now. You I, know all about the off seasons here. I do, I do, and I enjoy them much more than the off seasons when I was living in the Northeast because of. <laughs> The lack of winter but you know it's hot stove season now for the Astros and uh, the biggest news today with the Astros uh, of course Charlie Morton a mainstay the last two years really uh, revitalized his career with the Houston Astros signing uh, a free agent deal with the Tampa Bay Rays today uh, for two years with an option for a third year and I mean, obviously, a, a, a little little bittersweet, happy for Charlie that he's been able to have the success he had in Houston. But obviously, he, he will be missed, and that's a rotation hole the Astros will have to try and fill. Yes, sir, and uh, they're, they're at work on that right now. We know that. Nothing to announce yeah. yet on it. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Rays use him yeah. uh, because of the way they use the openers now. And will, will he be uh, the old-fashioned starter? Will he be coming in after an opener goes an inning? It'll be interesting to see that. It will be interesting to see that, and maybe that gives them uh, some more options because they were near the end of the year. They basically just had uh, uh, Blake Snell as their main – there's the one guy who was not a true opener who was starting, and, of course, he winds up winning the Cy Young Award over Justin Verlander. But anyway, uh, yeah, that'll be certainly interesting to watch and also just kind of curious to see. I know a lot of folks – are wondering, man, when are the Astros going to do something? Because you're, you're now you're starting to see moves really happen because the winter meetings are going on right now in Las Vegas. And we'll be joined by Brian McTaggart, Astros beat writer for MLB.com, who's out in Las Vegas coming up here in just a few moments. But uh, people are seeing moves happening, and I think a lot of Astros fans are probably like, hey, what's going on? But, I mean, still a lot of time in this offseason, 73 days until spring training starts. Yeah, and that's, that's a key stat, uh, Robert, because I think – Right now, when the, when the building blocks are starting to fall, the dominoes are falling, people are looking at clubs that are active and then 
clubs that haven't done anything, well, well, wait a minute, they're missing out on the train. Well, not really, because 73 days remain yeah. until spring training. It doesn't have to be accomplished at the winter meetings. But we'll hear from Brandon Taubman of the Astros front office later as well to uh, find out, you know, the mechanics of making a trade. Sometimes it takes months to put these deals together. That's right. And, yeah. Yeah, Brandon Tallman, Astros assistant general manager, will join us a little later, as Brownie mentioned. We'll also hear from Ryan Divish, Mariners beat writer for the Seattle Times. They've been busy this offseason. We'll hear from uh, another American League West club. Uh, and also we'll hear from both Lauren Blackwell, who chatted with Lance McCullers as he recovers from Tommy John surgery last month. And Todd Callis out in Las Vegas right now at the winter meetings. He got a chance to catch up with manager A.J. Hinch, and we'll hear that conversation coming up in a little bit. But right now, please be joined by Brian McTaggart, Astros beat writer for MLB.com out in Las Vegas for the winter meetings. Brian, thanks for joining us, and have you lost your shirt yet? Maybe he has. But anyway. <laughs> we lost him, that's for maybe sure. Maybe he's trying to find it. We'll get Brian on here in just a second. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, I'm kind of curious to find out. You know, the great thing about the winter meetings, it's for a lot of people don't understand, it's a, a baseball convention. Yeah. Every, you know, there are representatives from every team, major league team, minor league teams, a chance for a lot of people to renew acquaintances, but you, you hear a lot of things, you, you see a lot of things during those few days. Right, and uh, we'll get into this with Brandon Taubman a little bit, but as far as the actual personal experience of being in a room with people instead of texting, does that make a difference in trying right. to have discussions about a trade? Right, exactly, and you know, it's and one thing we'll talk about with Brian McTaggart here when we get him on in a second is uh, what you know. You always, it's always interesting who you see at the winter meetings. You never know former players, former managers. Uh, it, it's all. I know. I saw Brian McTaggart tweet the other day. He saw Shane Reynolds out in Las Vegas that. at the winter meetings. Uh, so it's that's all. That's also the fun thing too. Is you just never know. Have you have you been? Have you covered I, winter meetings? I have. I was going to tell you one year I went uh, to Hollywood, Florida. Uh -huh. This was probably back in the 80s or late 70s, and Bill Veck owned the Chicago White Sox, mm -hmm. and the White Sox had the lowest budget I think in baseball at the time. But uh, he's always he was always a trader. So the, he actually set up a table right in the lobby. And he put a sign on there, open for business. And wow. just sat there and waited for trade talks. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way of doing it. In a very public way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you know, you get, a, you get a lot of fans who are out there. And, of course, you know, MLB Network. Jeff Luno, as a matter of fact, Astros general manager is on MLB Network right now uh, talking about the Astros. But, yeah, you have the MLB Network, ESPN, all the different networks down there. So it's, it's quite a scene. All right, we think we have Brian McTaggart with us right now, Astros beat writer for MLB.com. Hey, Brian, thanks for joining us. Hey, guys, how you doing? Doing fantastic. And, uh, you know, obviously the news today about Charlie Morton uh, reportedly signing a deal with the Tampa Bay Rays for two years plus an option year. Of course, a guy who has been a big part of the Astros rotation uh, uh, the last couple of years. And we knew this was a possibility. What, are you, uh, what did you hear about that? And do you know how involved the, the Astros were in trying to bring Charlie Morton back? Yeah, I get the sense they weren't they weren't too involved in uh, trying to bring Charlie back. I mean, certainly you look at the money that's being reported, um, two years, thirty million. I mean, that I you know I did talk to an Astros person today that was you know really kind of surprised at that amount of money, and you know that's you know I can certainly see that. I mean, just based on uh, you know Charlie's coming off a year where you know he was injured a little bit at the end of the year with his shoulder, but. Uh, you know, I mean, when, when the Astros signing for two years, $14 million, a lot of people scoffed at that as well. And that turned out to be a very, very good deal 
for both the Astros and Charlie. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if, uh, if Charlie Morton's getting $15 a year, I think there's a lot of pitchers that are, you know, Dallas Keiko included, that are probably smiling really wide right now. Tags, uh, of course, Charlie will always have a place in our hearts for his accomplishments yep. in the postseason of 2017, and, and he had a great two years for the club. Uh, do you think there was some concern about his shoulder? He was on the DL at the end of the regular season with a shoulder injury. Yeah, I certainly do, Brownie. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, the Astros have better medicals on him than anybody because he's their player. But you also get the sense that, you know, maybe they feel they, they squeezed all they can out of him. You know, he made 55 starts over, over two years, you know, did did start to wear down a little bit uh, at the second half of uh, this, this year. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of other guys on the market. But, you know, for that money that he's getting, I, I can certainly see why the Astros, you know, weren't, weren't interested in bringing him back. But, yeah, he's always going to be a guy, I think, just always going to come to Minute Maid and, and be remembered fondly and getting the final out of the World Series. He's the only pitcher, Astros pitcher ever to do that, and that's something that will live in Astros lore forever. Without a doubt, and you know, you talk about the money Charlie Morton is getting, and a, a little, little surprising perhaps, but you uh, uh, had an article the other day chatting with Astros owner and chairman Jim Crane, uh, Jim talking about increasing the payroll. Uh, you know, the luxury tax threshold is is a little higher this year. Don't want to get a, uh, across that because of the penalties associated with that. Uh, could you really see the Astros really bumping up spending and increasing it a significant amount? And if they do, what do you think they would spend it on? Yeah, I do, Robert. I mean, I you know, their payroll has, the last couple of years has gone up to, to record levels. And, you know, they're hitting the point now to where they really have to make some decisions on some guys, you know, a lot of arbitration-eligible guys. And we're seeing now with the free agents, Keichel and um, – Marvin Gonzalez and, and Charlie Morton, you know, some high-priced free agents. I mean, they have to, they can't sign all these guys, so they have to make some tough decisions, and that's going to keep happening over the next few years. Springer's going to be a free agent in a couple of years. Of course, Verlander and Cole after next year. So um, they're going to have to get really creative, and I know Jim Crane told me that, you know, Jeff Luno works three or four years ahead on this stuff, and, you know, I'm sure they have a, a plan of attack. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think obviously starting pitching remains their number one um, task, I think, here at the winter meetings and, and going into January, getting a starter they can put along with Cole Verlander and, and Colin McHugh, who's you know, confirmed to be a starter next year. Um, also, we talked with Luno yesterday a little while, and he talked about the desire to add a bat, an outfielder, DH-type bat. Um, and, you know, he talked a little bit, too, about Kyle Tucker and how Tucker's going to come to camp with a chance to win a job as well. But, you know, they do want a veteran, another veteran bat um, in that outfield. So, uh, I think those are the main two areas they're going to spend some money. Once you get in January, closer to spring training, maybe you know, a relief pitcher or, or something along those lines. But um, I get the sense that not a whole lot is going to happen here over the next 48 hours, and we might have to wait to January before we, we see the Astros make their biggest move. Tags, how important do you think the Astros feel it is to get a left-handed hitter? They're a pretty right-handed hitting team right now. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think it's really important. You look at the you know the meat of their lineup. The top of that lineup, Saul is right-handed. I mean, you know, Reddick could hit up there, but certainly he's the guy's probably going to hit down in your order. Marvin being gone, so you know, a name to keep an eye on, I think, is Michael Brantley, free-agent outfielder, left-handed hitter, um, a, a veteran guy that's you know coming off a pretty a pretty good season. He has had some injury problems, but. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, yeah, I think I think lefty outfield is the type of player that, that they would look to get or designated hitter. Um, you know, Nelson Cruz, Nelson Cruz's name has been thrown around 
as well. And he's been linked with some other clubs, not as much the Astros. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, they got to add somebody that can make some kind of impact. But, yeah, lefty would definitely be able to uh, fit nicely in that lineup. You know, the, one of the moves that the Astros have made this offseason, signing Robinson Chirinos, of course, with the Rangers the last several years, uh, to a one-year deal to be one of their catchers. So right now, you know, Robinson Chirinos, Max Stassi project to be the Astros' two main catchers. Of course, you have Garrett Stubbs still waiting to make his big league debut and options remaining also on the 40-man roster. Had a pretty good year at AAA last year. Do you think the Astros are satisfied with where they are catching-wise, or could you see them maybe trying to bring in another catcher? Yeah, I do think. Uh, but yes, I, I think uh, I think they they will try to bring in another catcher. I, I think bringing in Torino sort of stabilizes the catcher situation. That if they don't do anything else, then yeah, you go into the season with Torino and Sassy. You have Stubbs and AAA, like you said. But um, so there's tests there. But uh, you know, I do think as the winter goes on, they will be active in the catching market, try to get somebody else in. Um, you know, they can add a little bit. A little bit more to that position, but you know, Torino's sometimes you know highly respected. A guy who could hit some full homers at Minute Maid Park. You know, he's got a few issues defensively, but we know you know the Astros will address those and, and try to get him in the best position. But I, I tell you what, he's a guy that has a great reputation in the game as being a, an absolutely fabulous teammate. I talked to him on the phone last week. Very nice guy. So I think it's a, a really good pickup by the Astros. Tags, as you mill about the lobby sometimes there at the winter meetings and you hear all sorts of rumors. How do you sort out what is worth reporting and what is not worth reporting? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, you hear all kinds of stuff at uh, all kinds of hours. Here's the winter meetings. I mean, uh, these, you know, these things go on well into the night, as you know. And I guess different reporters approach it different ways. Um, for me, before I, I really publish something or get something I heard out there, it has to be pretty far down the road. Um, I, you know, I know some reporters like to throw a lot of stuff out there. You know, maybe the, you know the Astros or this team um, checked in on this player or what. I mean, you can, you can guarantee the Astros have checked in on pretty much almost every free agent outfielder or starting pitcher. So I don't think there's a whole lot of news there. So for me, it has to be something to where um, something's really percolating, close, a deal, a deal is in the works. And that, that's when I kind of decide, okay, I have to uh, get this out there and, and write that. Because if I tweeted everything I hear, um, <laughs> first of all, my Twitter feed would go nonstop. <laughs> yeah, I can certainly understand that. Brian McTaggart, Astros beat writer for MLB.com, out in Las Vegas for the winter meetings. Hey, thanks for joining us, and uh, put it all on red, okay? Always bet on red. <laughs> <laughs> All right, All right thanks a lot. Hey, spring training's just 73 days away. Make plans now to see your Houston Astros in action as the 2019 spring training schedule gets underway February 23rd at the Fit Team Ballpark of the Palm Beaches. For the best way to experience Florida, visit thepalmbeaches.com. I'm Robert Ford with Bill Brown. This is Astro Line coming to you live from Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd in downtown Houston, presented by Carbach. And we'll be back with more Astro Line presented by Carbach Brewing right after this on the Houston Astros Radio Network. Hands over the head in the windup. Here's the one, two. That is at the knees for strike three, and Mancini goes down looking. One out. Looking for the hook. Got the express from Lance McCullers Jr. Showing his health, his effectiveness, velocity, everything. He checks them all off. And certainly a, a great consideration to be on that playoff roster, and they need him. And welcome back to Astro Line, presented by Carbock Brewing Company, coming to you live from Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd 
near downtown Houston. Robert Ford with Bill Brown, and we just heard a, a highlight brownie of uh, Lance McCullers' final series of the year in Baltimore, uh, pitching out of the bullpen and, and looked great. Uh, made the postseason roster. That was one of the big questions the Astros had last month of the season was, was McCullers going to be healthy enough to be on the postseason roster as a reliever? Wasn't enough time to stretch him out as a starter. Even more impressive what he did when you know, now we find out he was uh, working with a frayed elbow ligament that got Tommy John surgery on it last month. Excellent point, Robert. And there are many things we don't know during a season. Yeah. Players uh, and, uh, of course, uh, the medical information is kept close to the vest for obvious reasons. But now that we have found this out, now that he's undergone the surgery, we look back and we can only assume that he knew he was going to have to have that surgery at that point. But, man, he left it all out there on the field, did a great job. And uh, that tells you a lot about a player when he's willing to uh, go out there injured and pitch. Well, and, and similarly with Jose Altuve. I mean, well, we, we could see it with Altuve uh, with the issues he was having with his knee and his mobility the latter part of the year. And as soon as the postseason was over for the Astros, he went and had surgery as well. Gives you an idea of what he was going through. Yeah, we could see him limping, and uh, it was obvious that he was hurting. But um, I, I don't think we knew the extent yeah. of the injury until later on after the season. So both these guys really kept things under wraps. They really had to prepare themselves in many ways medically to be ready to play every day. And it's quite impressive what they did. It, re it really is impressive. And speaking of Lance McCullers, our very own Lauren Blackwell, host at Minute Maid Park. You see her on the video board uh, during Astros home games, uh, part of Astros All Access. Check out uh, Astros All Access, Astros social media, Twitter. Facebook. Uh, they do a great job with that program. And here is Lauren Blackwell. She got a chance to catch up with Lance McCullers. It's been about five weeks since undergoing Tommy John surgery, uh, but you were hurting for some time before that. What was it like pitching through that strain uh, late September, early October? Yeah, well, for me, it was um, I had some other stuff going on. I had some extra bone and bone spurs and, and, and stuff in the back of my elbow, which was causing a lot of the immediate pain. And, uh, you know, we did what we could. We managed it the, the, the best we could. I, I really wanted to be a part of, of um, you know, the postseason team that we had, uh, you know, in October. And, you know, we didn't achieve our ultimate goal, but um, I'm really proud of the way we fought and the way a lot of the guys um, stepped up dealing with a lot of injuries. Because it wasn't just me. A lot of guys were dealing with a lot of things, and um, some of it's out there, some of it's not. But um, I'm proud of the way we, we, we fought, and, um, you know, I wanted to be a part of that. So a lot of people might not know this, but Brent Strom was actually the second yeah. pitcher to undergo Tommy John. So did you consult him being uh, your pitching coach? Right. Did you consult him prior to your procedure? And what kind of impact has Stromy had on your mechanics and yeah. your career? Well, Stromy, yeah, he was uh, he was one surgery too late from it being called the uh, Brent Strom surgery and him being able to travel the world and uh, talk about his experience. But uh, I think he has a good gig going. Um, but Stromy's been been huge for me. He's huge for, for all the guys here. And his biggest advice to me is just not to try to pitch through it for an extensive period of time. Obviously, um, I did for, um, you know, about a, a month or so. But he, you know, for my, for my long-term health, for, for me still trying to, achieve a lot of things that I, I want to achieve on the mound and um, with teams of mine he says getting it done is is is, is no big deal it's just a little bit of time and you'll come back um, you know better than ever what does your rehab plan look like well right now we're we're really focusing on my extension and um, you know, my grip strength and strengthening my shoulder so this first part of, of rehab is really just kind of retraining my body to be able to um, you know, use those muscles again and, and use my arm again. And as time goes, I, I get to take the brace off more and more and start trusting myself. So 
early on, it, it's very simple, but it's very important, and it's a little bit tedious and, and, and time-consuming. But um, I'm really confident um, with the surgeon that, that that we chose, and obviously um, with, with Jeremiah here, um, our head trainer with the Astros, just doing a great job with me, and um, we'll continue to do so. Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk Fortnite. Yeah. You're an avid Fortnite player. Yeah. A lot of your teammates, friends from home, um, you play against. What is it about Fortnite that you guys love so much? And who is your favorite teammate to play against? Uh, well, the thing with Fortnite, you know, I, I've, I've played video games for a while now. Uh, I started off back at, back in the day playing a lot of Halo and moved to kind of Call of Duty and stuff. But I don't know, Fortnite was really the big first Battle Royale-style um, mode that, that came to a console. So that, that kind of opened the, a new door there. A lot of them were on PC before. And um, it really just... It, it, this game's kind of brought people together. I don't really know what it was, but people enjoy playing. You're you're, you're in the game longer. You you kind of can reconnect. You know, I play a lot with my brothers. I, I talk to them a lot more now than I than I used to, just because of the video games that goes with my friends as well. And you kind of create more off-field relationships. Um, I play with Carlos a ton. I mean, we're we're always playing together. Um, so it's just been it's just been fun being able to kind of play with with people from all over. If they don't have the same console as you, or play with guys on PC as well, and it's really just kind of taken off, so I enjoy it. Last week, the baseball world lost a couple of really great guys. Luis Valbuena, one of them, um, had a huge impact on everyone that he played with or played against. Well, first, I mean, my heart goes out to his family. Um, it's, a, it's a tragic thing when, when you lose someone with, um, you know, so much life to give. And, and so many great things can, can be said about Luis. And I was his teammate for two years, and I don't think I ever saw him without a smile on his mm -hmm. face. And that's one of the things that will impact me and, and, and remind me of him the most. Um, obviously, um, my prayers are with him and his family and, and obviously his, his young son. So it's never easy losing someone, especially when you're, you were close to them and especially when the circumstances kind of surrounding um, his unfortunate um, passing has, have kind of come out now. You know, we're going to miss him and, and my prayers are with his family and, um, you know, hope he rests easy. All right, last question. It's holiday season. Do you have any message for the great fans here in Houston as we head into Christmas and the new year? Yeah, I mean, Christmas is an amazing time. I think the biggest thing that I've kind of transitioned to over the last couple of years, especially now, that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of in a place in my life where I'm just really fortunate is I, I think more about the holidays as, as a giving time. And, uh, you know, growing up, you know, holidays for me were always about, you know, receiving the gifts and, and doing that thing, and, and that's awesome. But I think the spirit of Christmas is really kind of, you know, uplifting people and, and trying to get back to those who, who maybe don't have as much. And um, But it's an amazing time of the year, and as you go into the new year, just try to be your best self because, yeah, that's all we can do. That was Lauren Blackwell with Lance McCullers talking about his recovery from Tommy John surgery, and it's a long road ahead of him. He had the surgery on November 6th, uh, and... Uh, usually about a year and a half, particularly for a starting pitcher before uh, he's back for that. Well, we will not see Lance McCullers pitching for the Astros at all in 2019. I thought Brownie, listening to that interview, and again, it's early in the process for him, but I thought it sounded like he was in pretty good spirits, which is encouraging. It did. Uh, players are amazingly able to bounce back from injuries that we consider to be serious, but uh, you mentioned 18 months, and uh, I think that would put him on a terrific timetable for 2020 to be able to take his time with this rehab do it properly and be strong for spring training that year and i thought it was interesting that he mentioned fortnite was his favorite video <laughs> game which is also your favorite this oh week. you know it we, yeah. we have to rush home and play that tonight <laughs> <laughs> 
Always good to hear from Lance McCullers. And, of course, the baseball winter meetings going on. We heard from Brian McTaggart, uh, Astros beat writer for MLB.com from Vegas. We're going to hear from Mariners beat writer Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times from Vegas a little later talking about the Mariners. But Todd Callis, Astros television broadcaster, is in Las Vegas now. And Todd got a chance to catch up with the skipper, A.J. Hinch. Robert, thanks. With A.J. Hinch, manager of the Astros from Las Vegas, Mandalay Casino. Uh, A.J., this is the final uh, part of the trip. How's the trip been? Are you a Vegas guy? I know some people are like, if it doesn't come back to Vegas for a while, I'm okay. Do you enjoy the time out here? Yeah, you know, I, I like it here. We, these meetings are, are unique in the different cities we go to. I think Vegas provides uh, an even more unique experience. Obviously, there's, the, there's Vegas in general, but it's also so spread out, and, and you're mixed in with tourists, and you're the everyday lifestyle in, in Vegas, the, the the work that gets done here is a little bit sporadic, but um, the foundations are laid for trades or signings and stuff like that. Um, everybody needs a little bit of Vegas in your life, and I, and I mean a little bit. <laughs> uh, AJ, obviously uh, starting pitching is we don't know where the Astros will be come opening day, but as you look at the landscape, certain names are going off the board. Is that still uh, a primary target for your team? Uh, a little bit. I think the, 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 the issues that we have in the rotation, having lost Keuchel and Morton, free agency, McCullers to injury, um, can be solved internally. Now, it's not, um, you know, it's not known at this point, like, what are we going to get out of Josh James or Framber Valdez or uh, Brad Peacock or Colin McHugh, guys that have, that have all made starts in the last couple of years. We can fill out a rotation. Is that the rotation we go with? I think will be determined, you know, really coming out of these meetings and into, into January. But, and so we're comfortable with the quality that we have. We, um, we are trying to upgrade in the rotation to, because then obviously that will help the bullpen as well with Peacock and McHugh and even James and Valdez being considerations down in the bullpen. So um, that group of pitchers is, is what we're talking about. And, and if we can upgrade it, we will. And that will address the bullpen. And if we don't, then we'll have to address the bullpen. On this day, one of the bigger stories is Charlie Morton. He mentioned uh, a moment ago to see what he did, basically resurrecting his career in Houston. There were some eyebrows raised uh, when you guys signed him to a two-year deal. Now here he is uh, with a new team and, and making a, a new contract look pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously Astros fans will will remember Charlie, um, you know, for a lot of reasons, but none bigger than the 2017 uh, playoffs where we, we don't win the World Series without his contribution, obviously getting the last three outs of the World Series. When you watch videos of our celebration, the first person you're going to see is, is Charlie Morton. And that um, him coming to Houston, you know, off of injury, um, you know, was a, was, a, was a front office driven decision. And they challenged us as, as coaches and, and Brent Strom as a pitching coach to, to, to maximize this guy to the, the best of our abilities and watching Stromy work with him and Charlie respond to him. Our medical team kept him on the field for, um, you know, virtually all of his starts over those two years. I mean, it's a story that encompasses the entire organization, but, but Charlie stamping his, um, his name in Astros history with um, some really big outs and really big games and many memories. AJ, uh, switching to the other side of the battery equation, Robinson Chirinos uh, is part of your team now, was with the Rangers for a number of years. You guys have had recently with a Brian McCann and then Martin Maldonado midseason, uh, new catchers who have really had to learn the staff. I, I guess for a veteran, there's that challenge involved, but looking forward to working with Robinson? I am. I mean, we got to see him across the way uh, with the Rangers for 19 games a year. So I, we feel familiar with him. Brent Strom just spent a couple weeks with him in Japan. 
which is a, which is a great kickstart to the you know the relationship that's needed with the pitching coach and the and the catcher. I, I you know I think he's going to provide a little bit of offense. He's he's got double digit home runs in 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 most of his seasons. He's got uh, pull power, which in Minute Maid is is a is a dream. So I um, I think offensively he's going to contribute. I think defensively he gets knocked a little bit for his receiving, which is probably unfair if we can few, a few mechanical adjustments. Um, he's very open to trying to get better and. He's got some leadership qualities to him, which I like behind the plate. He's, um, you know, he's he's established himself as a as a contributor on a on a really good team. When he, you know, he's been in the playoffs before. Things that that we that resonate with us now, uh, when our standards are pretty high, when we're going to pair you up with with Verlander or Cole or or the pitching that we can that we can offer. AJ, thanks for the time. Enjoy the rest of your time in Vegas. You got it, TK. All right, we'll send it back to Pluckers and Robert Ford and Bill Brown, guys. All right, thank you, TK. Hope you're enjoying your time out there in Vegas. Hey, I'd like to remind you, 2019 season tickets, they're on sale now. Enjoy some of the best seats at Minute Maid Park and exclusive benefits throughout the year. Visit astros.com slash season tickets or call 1-877-9-ASTROS today. You're listening to the official off-season hot stove show of the Houston Astros. It's Astroline presented by Carbach Brewing Company coming to you live from Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd near downtown Houston. We'll hear from Ryan Divish, Mariners beat writer with the Seattle Times. And a little later, Astros assistant general manager Brandon Taubman will join us. We'll be back after this on the Houston Astros Radio Network. to Astroline, presented by Carbock Brewing Company, coming to you live from Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd near downtown Houston. Make sure you come on out and see these folks. They also have a location out there by Memorial City. Check that one out as well as Robert Ford, joined by Bill Brown. And now we're joined from Las Vegas, where the baseball winter meetings are happening, by Ryan Divish, Mariners beat writer from the Seattle Times. Find out what's going on with one of the Astros' American League West foes and Without a doubt, the Mariners have been the most active so far uh, during this uh, offseason. James Paxton getting traded to the Yankees. Robinson Cano, Edwin Diaz traded to the Mets. Traded Gene Segura, Juan Nicasio to the Philadelphia Phillies. And, and Ryan, are, are you surprised at, at how active the Seattle Mariners have been so far this offseason? Yeah, I wouldn't really call it an offseason. It hasn't felt like it's been an offseason. It's been a lot of work. <laughs> but, yeah, um, no, I'm not surprised. Once they decided they were going to do this kind of, well, they call it a step back, but, you know, it could be a tear down, whatever you want, just rebuild. I knew that, that uh, they were going to start dumping pieces and dumping them quickly. Jerry DePoto has a history of making trades and making a lot of them. And then given uh, stuff that he can actually trade that other people want and the the permission to do so, he went he went crazy. I mean, they made six trades and took nine players they took nine players off the, or five trades actually. They made six trades since November 1st, I think. And then they've made five trades that have taken nine players off the 25 man roster at the end of the season. We keep expecting the next deal to involve three coffee houses. This is kind of crazy <laughs> for you guys to keep up with all this stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's really totally insane. And, you know, it just, you, the speculation and stuff starts on Twitter. And then it was funny. I, it was uh, over the weekend with the Canoa trade. Like, you know, you knew stuff was happening, and then just little bits and pieces of news would break. And so, like, one night I was at the uh, 
I was at a bar watching football with my friends, and, and some news came out, and your boss was calling. I had to borrow some of these laptops in the bar to send in an email and write it. You know, then then on Sunday night, something else came out. You know, you're watching Sunday night football. I'm at somebody's house. Got to get on their kid's computer, send another email. It just it never stopped. But, I mean, this is not what they're going to do, and I don't think they're done. I mean, the, like one of the players they got, Carlos Santana, in the secure trade, not pretty established first baseman. I doubt he ever puts on a Mariners uniform. I, my guess is he'll be traded within the next month to a team. But even, you know, somebody like the Astros who need a DH first base type, uh, I think what they're going to do is wait to see if, if where Nelson Cruz ends up and then kind of look at the teams that are looking at Cruz and, and see if they can um, move Santana to one of the, the teams that missed out on Cruz. Yeah, they never think about the beat riders when they when they make these <laughs> no. trades. It really is disappointing. <laughs> We're talking with Ryan Divish, Mariners beat writer for Seattle Times. He's been covering the Mariners since 2006. And you, know, you mentioned Robinson Cano. That was obviously the, the biggest news of – of the Mariners offseason so far going over to the Mets along with Edwin Diaz. Great year as a closer this year. But Cano owed $120 million over the next five years. Of course, the Mariners are, are just giving the Mets some money as part of this deal. But Seattle's going to wind up saving about $64 million. It has been reported. And, of course, last year was an interesting year for Robinson Cano. Uh, you know, got got the uh, the drug suspension for testing positive for uh, something that indicates he, he might have PEDs in his system, and, and then coming back and D Gordon moving back to second base and Cano kind of moving all over the diamond. What do you feel like was Cano's comfort level with being moved around from second base, and did that inform kind of the Mariners' decision to 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 cut him loose? Besides, obviously, the money they were paying him. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he was very comfortable at first base or even third base. He didn't look very comfortable. He didn't look great. I mean, Robinson, you know, he's always very nonchalant in the field. There's a kind of a grace and, and flair that he plays with. He didn't have that at first or third because you could tell he just wasn't comfortable. Um, I think, you know, in talking with people with the Mariners, they never thought that they would be able to trade Robinson Cano just given how much money he was owed. You know, teams aren't usually willing to take on – 120 million or even 60 million dollars in payroll for a guy that's 34 years old. I mean, but I think, you know, Brody Van Wagenen was his, his old agent in um, before with CAA before he went to Rock Nation and helped negotiate that 240 million dollar deal with the, the Mariners. So he was familiar. I think there was the splash of bringing Cano back and also getting Diaz, who, who is lights out, and you're not paying him any money. So I think that all kind of factored into it. I know that. I think Cano will still be a pretty good hitter for the next couple of years. You know, eventually he'll have to move to first base. Uh, but, you know, he, he's definitely going to be motivated after what happened last year with the PED suspension. I think, you know, that factored into it as well. I think the Mariners just felt like if, if they can move Cano now, they're going to do it because the chances of him moving him as he gets older aren't going to be that good. So they jumped on the opportunity. I'm sure, you know, I, I know A.J. Hinch mentioned that in his management meeting that he's not sad to see Cano go because Cano really had some – some good numbers against the Astros, and, and same with James Paxton. You place those guys a bunch. They don't. There, there, there are a few of the guys that actually had success against the Astros, while most of the Mariners did not. Ryan, there was a report of a fight in the Seattle clubhouse, and uh, D. Gordon was one of the players mentioned in those reports. Uh, do you think that there was bad chemistry with Cano in that clubhouse? Is that part of the motivation for moving him? No, I mean there, there was, you know, there's always little tips and stuff. I, mean, I was standing right there when the fight happened. It was it was between uh, D. Gordon and Gene Segura, which is really odd because later that night they they were playing second base and shortstop, so they're right next to each other on the field. But yeah, it was. I've never seen anything like that before. D. Gordon 
you know, we're all sitting there waiting to talk to Scott Service, and D. Gordon kind of comes up to us and says, hey, guys, can you clear the clubhouse for a second? I'm just going to have a little meeting. And I thought, yeah, I was going to have a clubhouse meeting about, you know, they were still kind of in it, you know, still playing hard. But, nope, the, we heard a ruckus, and you could kind of see through the clubhouse manager's windows into the, into, the, into the clubhouse, and all of a sudden the doors to the clubhouse spilled open, and there's about – there's two guys rolling around and about six guys trying to pull them off, and, and Gordon and Gene Segura were in the middle of it. It just stemmed from some comments that Gordon or that Segura had made about Gordon dropping a fly ball and other stuff. You know, just the the back and forth between guys, and, and it just got reached a point where it happened. I, I don't know. I, I do know that they they weren't going to keep Segura around. Like they felt like if they could move him, they wanted to, that maybe he wasn't a guy they wanted to build around. If you look at Gene's past track record, he's been traded, you know, four or five times now. And it's usually because he's just kind of a different personality that wears out his welcome on teams. Now, Felix Hernandez is a, a, a big question mark for the Mariners in 2019. He has struggled the last couple of years, has dealt with injuries, briefly moved to the bullpen last season as well. Uh, last year, that monster extension he signed uh, with the Seattle Mariners when, when he was still very much in his prime. Any idea uh, what you could possibly expect from, from Felix Hernandez in, in a Mariners uniform in 2019? No, it's really difficult. I mean, I've, I've written so many words about Felix and coming back and changing up his routine and changing up his workout habits and changing up this and that, and it's just... I don't know. I, I mean, really, it, uh, I'm sure Robert saw this, too. He just doesn't throw enough strikes. He doesn't throw enough quality strikes, and teams know that. And he doesn't have overpowering velocity. But when you can't throw quality strikes and you're only throwing 90 miles an hour and everybody kind of knows what you have and it's consistently behind in the count, you're going to get hit. And he doesn't understand it either. I think that's the biggest problem with him is he can't understand why he can't do that anymore. Like, it, it, I think for Felix, he was such a naturally gifted player and, and relied so long on talent and just being able to be, walk out, throw a glove on the field and be the best guy that when you start to get older, your body starts to break down, you know, you don't have as much life on your pitches. But the essence of working out and, and, and all the stuff to prepare, he didn't know how to do that. He didn't know how to react as well to just not being King Felix. And so he's really a, a crossroads. I mean, I, he's, he, he's the least productive starting pitcher last year and, and he'll be in the rotation again this year simply because they don't have anybody else and because he's in a final year of a contract that nobody wants so it'll be interesting to see i know he's pretty motivated to, to come back and be good i mean he had all these plans to do stuff in the off season but i've heard that before from him and, and it never really materialized so i'm curious to see what it'll be like in the final year his contract year i know he doesn't want to just retire and be done but he's got something to play for Ryan Divish, Mariners beat writer for the Seattle Times, joining us from the Baseball Warner Meetings in Las Vegas. Hey, thanks for, for joining us, and uh, put it all on black, okay? Yeah, oh, yeah. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm betting if, if they have futures odds, I'd be betting that Nelson Cruz is going to the Astros. That's my futures bet right now. Ooh. All right. Well, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Thanks again, Ryan. And uh, I told Brian McTaggart to put it all on red. Tell Ryan <laughs> yeah. Divish to put it all on black. So between, somebody will win. Somebody, somebody, somebody's got it. Going to win. Hey, the holidays are here, and the Astros can help with your last-minute shopping. Astros Team Store offers customized jerseys, gift cards, and more for store hours and location. Visit Astros.com slash team store brandon taubman astros assistant general manager he's coming up next as we continue on astroline presented by carbach brewing company coming to you live from pluckers wing bar 1400 shepherd and on the houston astros radio network 
back to Astroline, presented by Carbock Brewing Company, coming to you live from Plucker's Link Bar near downtown Houston, 1400 Shepherd. Official Astros Kids Club 2019 memberships on sale now. Astros Buddies memberships presented by BBVA Compass include tickets to select Astros games, exclusive opportunities, and more. Visit astros.com slash buddies. Robert Ford here with Bill Brown. And now we're joined from Las Vegas, baseball winter meetings going on by Brandon Taubman, Astros assistant general manager. And uh, Brandon, first of all, thank you so much for joining us, taking some time out of your busy schedule here in Vegas. And uh, you know, winter meetings, pretty pretty hectic time for, for a baseball executive, aren't they? They can be. They're also a lot of fun. And thanks for having me, guys, too. Um, I'll apologize in advance for any background noises sometimes harder to find quiet space to talk than it is bargain deals at the uh, winter meetings. But <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of my favorite times of the year, and it's because you get to see, uh, you know, everybody that you currently work with, have worked with, that are now with other teams, and um, some of the, you know, famous industry people that are now writing for various publications that we're all together in the same environment able to to talk and catch up, which means progress on the on the trade front and all that, but it's also uh, a wonderful opportunity to network and get to know the people uh, that you are counterparts with at other teams. Brandon, as you've risen through the ranks in the Astros organization, you've had a chance to mingle and meet members of other front offices of all the 30 clubs. How important or how different is it when you're meeting them in person at the winter meetings compared to texting or maybe a phone call? I think being in person with your colleagues at other teams is uh, definitely helpful for facilitating conversation. I think, you know, naturally it, it, it promotes more activity, but also there are subtleties in conversations, the way people act, the way they, they dictate the terms or parameters that deals they're willing to do and not willing to do that, you know, I think, I think come out in conversations in person that you don't pick up on on the phone. So that part of it is... Uh, is always nice. Um, just kind of elevates the, the personal feel and all that. But we also get a lot of interaction with our colleagues over the course of the year. You know, we if we're lucky in a good year, when we go deep, we're playing 200 games between spring training and the playoffs. And, you know, you see your colleagues when they come to town or in the scout seats. And um, between those sorts of just, you know, mundane baseball sort of activities, plus GM meetings, winter meetings, you really get an opportunity to build on uh, trade conversations, build your network over the course of time, and it, it kind of all culminates uh, at this point of the year at the winter meetings and in the weeks to come, but there's a lot of uh, relationship building and groundwork that gets laid down over the course of time. So, Brandon, a lot of people may not realize this, but the winter meetings, obviously the fans know it for you know deals getting made and things of that nature, but also there's a, another big component to the winter meetings. A lot of people go there. There's a huge job fair on the minor league side. A lot of people go there looking for jobs on the, on the major league side. Your first winter meetings, were you already in baseball, or did you, for the first time you went to the meetings, was it to, to try and get a job in baseball? Because this is like a, a second career for you at this point. It, it is. Unfortunately, I got to avoid the uh, rigor of chasing down executives uh, and student high in the lobby of winter meetings, um, you know, with, with a leather-bound binder and just this and that. I, I feel bad for a lot of these job seekers because many of them are overqualified, highly skilled people that love baseball like us and want to break into the game. Um, I was one of those people. I was just fortunate to uh, see it job post from Jeff six years ago and 
apply at the right time and go through kind of a conventional interview process. But um, there is a lot of hiring that goes on, and there is an amazing pool of applicants. But unfortunately, uh, many fewer jobs than there are people that could uh, fill them well. Um, and in addition to the hiring and the opportunity to talk shop with your colleagues with other teams, there's also a technology fair. We all know technology is becoming a bigger part of the game, and you have all the third-party vendors come and show off what their latest and greatest product developments are uh, in an effort to you know, solicit business from, from teams. So between all those things, it's a really busy few days. We had a group of 25 people join us in various capacities of the front office, and uh, no one rests. Everyone is uh, plugging away and helping out wherever they can. Brandon, let's say you're meeting with another club and you have probably several executives of each club together in a suite and it's 2 o'clock in the morning and you're talking about a trade. Steve Phillips, who's on MLB radio, said a few days ago that when he was general manager of the Mets, he wanted uh, some of his scouts to really eyeball the opposing general manager to see if they threw out somebody's name in a trade proposal and he twitched or was it uneasy in his chair as if he didn't want to give up that player. Are these things that you're reading in these meetings as well? Yes, and Jeff taught me that lesson a couple years ago, and he had told me that it was a lesson he learned from Brian Cashman of the New York Yankees. The lesson is that you can, just like playing a game of poker, you can tell people's tells, and there's an opportunity, like I said before, to learn more than you would over a text message or an email. So, you know, if the opportunity presents itself to be in person, um, you want to do that. And if, the op if that opportunity is not there, the next best alternative is to be able to pick up the phone and call people and even hear, you know, the, the cadence in their voice and the way they phrase things because there is information there that's beyond, you know, the, just the word spoken. Um, I've just learned over the course of time that text and emails is probably the worst form of communication because uh, people can contemplate the exact composure of the words that you know, they put in their message and um, obviously try to give away as little information as possible to the opposing club. So we've been really active uh, meeting with clubs. And, yeah, I think there's a huge, like, psychological evaluation component of these conversations where you're looking for whatever sort of information you can get. Brandon Tauman, Astros Assistant General Manager at the Baseball Winter Meetings in Las Vegas. Hey, thank you so much for joining us, Brandon, and, and put it all on green, okay? We'll do it. We'll get it done, guys. Thank you. <laughs> all right. <laughs> So we had three guests on the show. I told Brandon Tallman, put it on green. Ryan Divish, Mariners beat writer for Seattle Times, put it on 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 red and oh no black. And I told Brian McTaggart, Ashes beat writer for MLB.com, put it on red. So somebody's going to win something well, if they if they pay attention. You covered all your bases, Robert. All, all, all the bases have been covered. Well, Brownie, always good to see you. Thank you. Nice to be and, on with you. Uh, always good to be part of Astroline. Don't forget the next Astroline show will be uh, next Tuesday, the 18th, here at Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd. Come on out and see us. That one will be uh, Todd Callis and Steve Sparks uh, co-hosting that next Astro line. I'd like to thank all who made the broadcast possible, studio producer Bob Elliott. I'd like to thank all of our guests, also producer engineer Matt Boltz. For Bill Brown, I'm Robert Ford saying so long. You've been listening to Astro Line presented by Carbach Brewing Company live from Pluckers Wing Bar and on the Houston Astros Radio Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 